0: Hebrews chapter one, let's begin reading with verse five. Hebrews chapter one and verse five. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God Worship him. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. I'm looking at angels tonight and some unusual thoughts that that God's directed my mind toward in relation to what you've heard tonight and what this weekend means to each one of us. I think that the Bible is very clear on the teaching of angels. Angels are not to be worshiped. This text makes it clear that the angels worship Him. We're not to worship angels, but we're to worship the Savior, Jesus Christ. And angels are taught and there's a lot of teaching about angels throughout your Bible. 108 times in the Old Testament, angels are referred to. 165 times in the New Testament, angels are referred to angels are the created servants of God. And you and I, as Christians, we are the converted children of God. So while they were created to serve, we were created to be sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. Angels are invisible. They're usually invisible, not at all times. This same book, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse two tells us to be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. But most generally angels remain invisible. But can I say this? They are invisible, but they are always present. There are angels worshiping with us tonight here at Rubyville. Sometimes we forget the the duties that God has given to angels. Their first assignment was the duty that he gave them concerning the Savior. Their duty to the Savior was praising him, praising the name that is above every name. Revelation 5.11 says, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So angels were given that assignment as we read in the text and again in Revelation, that they are constantly praising him, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Isn't it something angels have never sinned? They they don't know what sin is. They're they're capable of sin, but the angels in heaven, they've not sinned. The angels that are saying, holy, 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 they don't know what sin was. They were created perfect. They're not like you and I. They're not shapen in iniquity. And they're created perfect, but yet through that, They continually praise his name above all other names, but yet here we are tonight at a place higher than the angels even though they have greater power than us. We have greater ability than them because they do not know what sin is. Neither do they know what the power of the blood of Jesus is to cleanse of sin. So if the angels who have never sinned are constantly praising him, saying worthy is the lamb, how much more should you and I tonight offer our praise knowing that his grace and blood has saved us and set us free? How much more should we praise him tonight? Their duty is to praise his name. Their duty is not only praise, but protection. We know when God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, when he went by the way eastward, there was that cherubim that was placed there with a flaming sword to protect the way to the tree of life. We know as well, when the mercy seat was created on the Ark of the Covenant, that there on that mercy seat was the place where the blood of Jesus was applied. And there facing each other on both ends of that mercy seat are cherubim, angels facing one another with outstretched wings as though they're touching each other in constant, in constant preservation of the fact that they are protecting the holiness of God. That's why we need to understand just as they protected the way in Genesis, just as they protected the way in the Old Testament through the mercy seat where the blood was applied. That's why we need to stay in the way with Christ because they protect the way. Now the world has forgotten that God is holy. Hollywood has forgotten God is holy. Washington's forgotten God is holy. Schools have forgotten God is holy. Communities have forgotten God is holy. Entire states have forgotten that God is holy. Nations have forgotten God is holy. But the angel says he's just as holy as the day that he created us and they are forever protecting his holiness. Whether you believe it or not, God is holy and they protect the holiness of God and that's why when we stay in their way, God as well is protecting us. So they had a duty to the Savior. They also were given an assignment with duties for the saints. Not only what they do for the Savior, but what they do for us as God's children. What do they do? One thing, they deliver us from danger. The Bible says in Psalm 91 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. That's the same passage that the devil misquoted because he added to it in the New Testament because that phrase that says, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone, he added the words at any time. Lest thou dash thy foot at any time. He added to the word of God because he knew well what the word of God was because he had originally been given that same charge. Do you know that there are angels watching over you? Do you know that God has his angels looking down on you constantly? You may not be aware of the fact that they're always there but those times that you were near a collision in your automobile and suddenly out of nowhere it seemed as though somebody moved the car aside and you come out without a scratch and avoided serious injury or you were in a serious accident and you hardly got a bruise or a cut. It wasn't the airbags that did that. It was heaven's angels that were watching over you and taking care of you. There's times that God has spared us from destruction. If we were honest, most of us, while we were in sin, some of the things that we did, we should have died then, but God's angels were taking care of us. Why? I believe because many a godly mother and father Many a godly grandmother and grandfather had prayed for their family. Keep them safe, Lord. Watch over them, whatever you do. Angels have watched over our military and watched over them through times of war. Many times I've heard people come back from war and say, I should have died. I should not have survived. I used to go to a meeting, oh, probably every three or four years I would go there. And they had a, a military man that was there. He was a chaplain. And He would always speak And at the end of his presentation He'd do the same thing He'd hold up a little tiny New Testament And he said I want to tell you How God takes care of you Said my mother gave me this New Testament And said son If there's a place in that uniform You put that over your heart No matter where you're at And he said one day the bullets were flying And suddenly I was hit Knocked to the ground Left breathless And he thought this is it I'm going to die. But when they started to check, he said, I was fine. That bullet had hit that New Testament and he would hold it up and he would say, God was watching over his word and his angels took care of me. God's always there to protect us. How many times has God defended us from danger in our life? Not only does he deliver us from danger, but also he defends us in death. How precious the thought that when it comes time to leave this world, that we don't have to leave this world alone. The Bible says in Luke 16 that there was a rich man and there was a beggar. And when the beggar died, the Bible says it came to pass the beggar died and the word of God says and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom and the rich man was buried. Do you see any difference in those phrases? One was carried and one was buried. So here's this beggar in this life that is carried into the presence of God, if you will. Abraham's bosom, a picture of what heaven is to the Jews during the time that Christ was on this earth. And he's saying, when it come time to die, I had my angels there to carry him safely home. Boy, I'd like to have read that obituary when it come down to the line of the pallbearers. People may not have known his name. People on this earth may have overlooked him, but God said, my child's coming home today and he dispatched from heaven the angel to carry him safely through. When we leave this world, we'll have to take our flight. If we're going to be with the Lord, he went up and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That means we have to go through the atmosphere. Who is the God of this world? Satan is the God of this world. God says when it comes time for us to make our heavenly flight, don't you worry. I'm gonna defend you in the Hour of death, if the hounds of hell come against you, my angels will guard you and be with you and take care of you and watch over you, they'll defend you in the hour of death. It was Michael, we only know the name of three angels in the Bible, three names, but it was Michael that contended for the body of Moses after that he died. What's God teaching us? God's teaching us that he's taking care of us. He's taking care of us in life. He's taking care of us in death. In 1901 was a terrible tragedy for our nation. William McKinley was the president of the United States. And for any of you that know much about history, you know that William McKinley was assassinated. Do you know after he was assassinated, that tragedy brought about something that stands to this day? They had just developed at the end of the 1800s, I think 1896, they developed a special group and given a head of that particular group known as Secret Service. But the Secret Service, they didn't protect the President at all times. But after William McKinley's assassination, from that day forward, everywhere the President goes, there's Secret Service there. You can't always see them. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know where they're at. Sometimes they are visible, but they're there watching out for the President. Can I tell you uh, that you are more important in God's eyes than the President of the United States? Because God says, everywhere you step coming into this place, my secret. Secret service from heaven. We're watching out for you, guarding you and taking care of you. God is there with you and he's dispatched his angels to care for us in our time of need. If he takes care of us in life and he takes care of us in death, you say, well, what about eternity? Nothing to take care of then. So we'll be able to join with the angels of what they're doing in Revelation. Just as the elders... And just as those others joined in as the multitude, not just a few, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands. you know what that phrase means? Literally, it was in the millions. They couldn't number them. That's what they were saying. Can you imagine what it's gonna sound like? I mean, people here, they start to get a little nervous, you know, when just three or four get happy and start praising God. What's it gonna be when millions and millions and millions join in? with the angels and say glory to God in the highest and bless the name of the Lamb that stands in the midst. What a time it will be. But during this being Passion Week, let's not forget, I guess this is what touched my heart in study, preparing for Passion Week this year. It seems like for some reason, The angels are overlooked during the week of passion. You know, during the passion week, angels were a vital part of the entire week. I'm not going to be long tonight, and that wasn't the introduction, but I assure you what I'm going to say, it'll be brief. But you ought to think about it in the next few days leading up to the time that we think about Calvary and the cross and the resurrection. Do you know that angels were present at Gethsemane? The Bible says in Luke 22, the Bible says Jesus had gone beyond them and you remember he was praying saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. You remember that, don't you? And the Bible says, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. In in Gethsemane, It was the angels that sensed the sorrow of Jesus. While the disciples were sleeping, the angels were awake. They sensed the sorrow that was in in his heart. It wasn't the fact that he wasn't willing to die for our sins. He knew the things that he would be facing and it would have been best on his behalf had he been able not to drink from that cup, but it would have been damnation for us had he not drunk from that cup. And when the disciples could go no farther, and don't be too hard on them. I don't know, maybe God didn't want them to see the angels at that time. The angel was there for Jesus in that hour. But when he felt like he couldn't go another step, and his heart was broken, And he's now sweating drops of blood because of the price he's about to pay. And his body is weak. The greatest trial he went through wasn't just the physical trial. It is the emotional trial and the spiritual trial. Long before they ever laid a whip to his back, he was already beginning to suffer and sorrow for what was being done. He knew the rejection that was there. Can I tell you something? As a pastor, it's not the things that people say that bother me the most but the things that bother me the most and keep me awake night is the sorrow that I have when I look at people and see it could be so much better in their life. Things could be so much different if they would just turn to Jesus but they leave Christ out and they go their own way and the sorrow gets heavy but yet when you feel like you can't go any further when you feel like I can't take one more day Lord I can't go one more step I've had my heart broken the last time. Hallelujah. God will say to an angel go down and give them strength. Jesus will say it was an angel that strengthened me in my time of sorrow. And an angel will strengthen you. The angels were there at Gethsemane. The angels were there at Golgotha. How do you know that? Well Jesus said in Matthew 26, 53, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Somebody wrote the song and you know, I hate it. uh, People pick songs to pieces and they'll say, they wrote the words, He could have called 10,000 angels. And I've heard preachers scold that song. It says 12 legion. That's more than 10,000. You're missing the whole point. He only needed one. He could have wiped them all out. What he was saying was, I don't have to do what I'm doing. I could pray to the Father and an angel would come, but not only would an angel come, at his command, as many as he wants to see it, they would come and deliver me from this death. But hallelujah, I'm glad he didn't call on the angels. If he would have called on the angels and they delivered him, you and I would be without hope and in our sins and lost forever. Yes, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone, the angels and we're saying to the heavenly Father, release us and let us go. Do you see what they're doing to Jesus? Do you see that they're spitting on Christ? Don't you see how they're treating your son? Oh, Father, let us go. Release us and let us go. But thank God, he died for you and I. He stayed on the cross and the angels never set him free. He was at Galgotha. Same flaming swords. Their hands on the swords. I don't know if angels cry, but I believe they would have cried that day. Don't you know who he is? Don't you know what he did? Don't you know we were there when he created the world and we sang together as angels, the sons of the morning and the heavenly stars. That was us singing when he created it all. Without him, you would not be here. Without him, you'd have no hope. Without him, you would be dead. Without him, you'd be lost forever. Don't you see what you're doing? Why do we find that so unbelievable? Because today, people still reject him, crucify him afresh daily, and say his death doesn't matter. He was there, dying. So the angels were at... Gethsemane in the garden, looking at his sorrow. They were watching him as he died on the cross at Golgotha, watching his suffering. But then, the Bible says this, they were at the grave. Matthew 28, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. An angel came and rolled the stone away and sat on the stone. You know, this thought came to my mind. Out of everything else the angel could have done, why did he sit on that stone? But here he is sitting on this stone. I suppose if the disciples wouldn't have been so anxious and the women wouldn't have been so anxious and the others so anxious to see what had happened and the place where he was at and to see the fact that he had risen like he said, I think maybe they would have stopped and said to the angel, what are you doing sitting there? Maybe his answer would have been, this is the best seat in the house. I'm watching Jesus destroy hell. I'm watching him go into the caverns of the deep and sweep down among the abyss of the lost to take back the keys of death and hell and present the blood to the heavenly Father as the last sacrifice. I'm watching heaven win the war. The best seat in the house, sitting on the stone. They were there at the grave. And by the way, they are there in glory. As he ascended, two men in white apparel stood by them and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus you see taken up from you shall come again in like manner in glory. The Bible says in Matthew 18:10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones talking about children. You better treat kids right. Every now and then I gotta get on this little soapbox. Nobody has said anything and I don't have an ax to grind. It's just we always have new people in the church and I don't want you to misunderstand me because you may think at times I'm a rude pastor because if I'm talking to you and one of these little ones come up to me after church, I love you. But I'm going to turn from you and talk to them for a minute. I don't care if it's any more than pat them on the head, tell them I love them, I'm proud of them, and send them on their way. You better put the little ones first. Jesus said, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, that in heaven, their angels, did you catch that? Their angels, what angels? The angels assigned to those little ones. Any of you that have little ones know they need an angel. Because children will go where angels dare to trot. Every one of you that's had kids and grandkids know more than once, they, they did things not knowing part of the learning experience, but they did things that could have snatched their life away. But God, through those angels, are watching them. And he said that in heaven their angels Do always behold the face of my father Which is in heaven Isn't that something Angels can watch little ones And stare in the face of the Lord at the same time All the time We're never out of their care And they're always lifting us before the father That's in heaven There's angels in glory the Bible says, "Likewise, I say, and do." There's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Angels get happy when somebody gets saved. Every time somebody gets saved, I always tell people when they get saved. Quite frequently, I say it. I say, "Do you know you just made angels shout?" Because the angels rejoice. Imagine this. They saw his suffering and they saw his sorrow and they could do nothing. But then he came home. And when he came home, they rejoiced. And now, because they could do nothing as he was dying, knowing that he had to die for sinners, now every sinner that repents, they say, He did that. For the joy that was set before him. Jesus did that for you. Are you glad that he did that for you? Then y'all tell your face about it tonight. Jesus died for me. He didn't have to die for me. But because he died for me and I put my faith in him, hallelujah, I'm saved tonight. And I don't want the angels to rejoice just over the fact that I've repented and I'm saved, I wanna join in with them and rejoice in the fact that I am saved because we know we are ready to meet the Lord and one day we'll stand in the presence of the angels in heaven. What a time that will be. Angels are waiting just as they waited for Jesus to return back to glory. They stand at attention tonight, waiting on some sinner to repent of their sins and come to Christ. So, if you are not saved, why don't you come get saved? Come and confess your salvation so we can rejoice with you and rejoice with the angels that as sinners repented.